How's everybody doing? All right. This is my wife, Robin. Robin and I will be married 39 years in July. We have five amazing kids who are the object lesson of everything that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> they taught us how to fight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, they did remind us, though, when we told them we were doing this, they were quick to remind us of all of our mistakes. And, and, those, one, and those, those arguments that stood out to them. The I know, thing. like, Jeremy was like, hey, are you going to tell about when you did? I was like, what? When did I do that? Yeah, you and mom. And I was like, we did? Oh, yeah, I blocked it out. But you know, you know how kids are. They remember it all. Yes. Yes, they remember it all. And they yeah. were quick to remind us of that. So, um, yeah. Let's so our, our other goal that we had today was... Um, we are trying our best not to actually have to do an onstage object lesson of us duking it out. And so, be kind. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> and then, so the other thing is when we have speakers, they usually get like 30 minutes, right? So with two of us, we get 30 minutes a piece. Oh, hey. Right? Wow. <laughs> I don't know if the Some of you are already looking at the clock going, wow, we're going to get out early today. Forget it. <laughs> We got a lot to say in 39 years. Yeah, and there's a few things. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, you know, I, so we're just, just kind of dive in. Uh, some of the scriptures will be on the screen. Some that maybe aren't there, we'll just try to give you those. And um, I mean, obviously, the, I don't even have this. It's just right away, I just already have a thought. And where the word of God says in Ephesians 1 translation says, the feud ended at the cross. And if there's anybody who knows how to deal with conflict, it's Jesus. And so, and he's not, you know, shy about showing us the way in the word of God. So thankful that what we have to share through the word of God and everything else is really the answer. It's not our experience. It's, it's the word of God. So if we were done right now and just said, go dive into the word of God, it's going to show you that's enough. But we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper in that. Deeper and than this is what I tell the kiddos in kids ministry. This word of God is the most important book in the entire universe. So if you really believe that, then you will want to pay attention to its words and pay attention to what it tells you to do. So, you know, every once in a while, and, and you don't have to answer this in front of everybody, but there, there are times like when you'll say things or over the years where you've done stuff and maybe, maybe I've done it to your face or I've done it behind your back where I went, you, you know that, where, where did that come from? What, what, huh? You, you, I know you guys never do that, couples, but where you're just kind of like, I'm not sure what, where that came from, whatever. But, you know, you just kind of, you know, but you, you, you said this to your kids before. I know that. It's like, what? You know, that kind of thing. Well, when you make that face, it instantly disheartens me. So don't do it and again. And here we go, kids. <laughs> don't do it We're again. We're diving in. Do it again. <laughs> You're going to be a grease spot. So, you know, as we talk about conflict, it's like we, I, we want to make sure that we don't just jump right into the how-tos and all that because we really need to take some time. I mean, really, we're going to take a, a, a quite a bit of the time this morning talking about where does this come from? Where does this all happen? 
And so simply put, James 4.1 just says it. You know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from selfish desires that war within you. So that, that, that's, so, you know, so it would be just really easy. We would love to just, hey, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not minimizing or, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Jeff gave you all a list of books and, and, and that's great. And, and we could come up with all kinds of how-tos and we do have some of that today, by the way. So hold on. We have a few things at the end. So you just, get, but you got to work to get there. Um, we could, but the truth is, um, we could go through all these great strategies and all these great books and principles and lay it out for everybody, but you could still miss the point, which is we deal with this flesh. Um, we have a nature that is not nice. Your sin nature is not nice. It doesn't play nice. And, and the, the word of God says it this way. It always wants its own way. We really have to park on this for a minute and talk about this because it's very important. Galatians says it this way. For the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Do you see the last line of that? If we really understand that we have this nature, this, this sin nature in us that's warring against the things of God, then, then just a good way to start just so you don't do the things that you wish and I'm just going to go ahead and wrap Pastor Rainey out. He's not, I don't even see him now. He, he always tells me that he knows that he hears the Holy Spirit hundreds of times a day because what he hears the Holy Spirit saying is, don't say that, Zach. Don't <laughs> say it. So Liz, you should be thankful. Your husband hears the Holy Spirit <laughs> and he doesn't do what he wishes. <laughs> so... But, but seriously, on the other side, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about this, you know, when he was talking about one of the biggest reasons why he considered not getting married. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 27 to 28, he says, are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a, if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, nevertheless, excuse me, such will have trouble in the flesh but I would spare you. So if you watched my little bit of a blurb that I had on Facebook, you know, and I said on there, you know, your, your greatest trouble in your marriage is not the way your parents raised you. It's not our culture. It's not the government. It's not any it's of that. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> your greatest trouble in your marriage is your flesh. So I can, I can see we got a ways to go. They kind of like, yeah, whatever. Did you, get, did you get that? It's like, yeah. eh. you're going to talk about that? It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to know this is part of our nature. Our nature is, and can I, and you can, you can amen this with your husband or wife, but we have plenty of flesh. We have plenty of the sin nature in us. It's there in spades. And let me just say this. You cannot ever trust it. Don't ever trust your flesh. It will betray you again and again and again. And, and the truth is, once you start yielding to the flesh and giving into it, it just, it doesn't, it gets worse and worse. It doesn't get better and better. I've never heard something, well, I yielded. And it just gets better and better every time. No, it doesn't work that way. So what we're, I'm going to kind of refer to a little bit of what Pastor Jeff talked about last week about kind of depositing things into the marriage bank. But I want you to just bring it into the context of this moment. And just really hear me that every moment, ladies and gentlemen, 
even, even if you're not husbands and wives, every moment that we yield to the flesh, we are making a withdrawal from that. And every time you walk in the spirit, you're depositing. I, I want us to get down to that basic understanding today. That there's, and again, I know there's practical things that you can do, take out the garbage and everything else. But no, I want you to see it in the context of when you yield to the flesh, you're taken out of that marriage bank. And when you give into this and you walk in the spirit, you're making a deposit. And so that's, that's because, and so that's the real reason. And, that, and I just need you to hear this really clear. The real reason your marriage is struggling, has ever struggled, ever had moments is because somebody yielded to the flesh in the marriage. So I'm thinking that way back when I was little and all of you guys were babies at one point and, uh, and some of you guys have children that are tiny and little and what is the first words that they ever learned? <laughs> were <laughs> no. Dad and no. <laughs> Somehow mom got skipped. <laughs> but dad and no. So, I mean, your flesh nature comes out when you're so tiny and it just grows and grows the more you listen to it. So it's so important to teach our youngsters about this and teach them how to crucify their flesh. And, and also, we, um, we make excuses for our flesh. We do. We're so comfortable and we just strive for comfort all the time. And we're totally... Um, just our flesh will just tell us everything we need to want to hear and we just can fall for it. And I'm telling you, you have a hundred opportunities every day to fall thousands for the flesh, to fall in the pathways of the flesh. You have thousands of opportunities in a week and choices that you have to make. And I have to tell you that it is a choice. And here are some when you wake up in the morning on Sunday morning and the coffee's out and Ooh. no one got the coffee and he thinks that I'm going to the store to get the coffee. <laughs> he just assumes that. And there's that look again. <laughs> Actually, I'm a Sunday morning widow, so I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've been a Sunday morning widow my whole married life. I so think I I've know. seen Robin before church, like on a Sunday, like maybe two or three times ever in 39 years. Yeah. And, it, and even though it was hard getting the kids out the door and everything, and I could tell you stories, but it's so much easier when he's not there. <laughs> Troubles in the flesh. <laughs> it's because I'm not there to give you an opportunity exactly. to walk in the spirit. And I get my own way. And, and you get so your own I'm way. Kidding. Your flesh is like me. Yeah, go ahead. So it's serious, though. You have that opportunity when you assume the other person is going to do things, or you have expectations that you think the other person knows about and forgot to communicate. So you have a choice at that moment when these moments happen to, um, to make deposits or withdrawals in your bank. And so... Think about your words. Sometimes you got to stop for a second in those moments and just think about your words coming out of your mouth. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, but you um, but examples. Kids can be really seriously uh, something that just pokes at your marriage flesh. <laughs> it's like you get a moment and it comes on so sudden. 
like moments at home, like at church, it's so easy. We're all around each other. We all hold each other accountable. But when you're at home and no one's looking, that's when the, the, the deepest moments of flesh come about. And that's when you feel like you can let go. But there's a moment that you have to say, I can't let go of his ways. I can't. And I have to hold on to this. And, and this isn't only for everyone that's married. This is for everyone that has a relationship with anybody, which you all do. So this is for everybody. Um, but yeah, kids can really pour that on and, and, it, and it comes fast. So you got to be prepared. I think there's a little bit of planning that we must do. And I think that's why we're here is that you've got to be ready and plan. Whenever I need broken of a habit, I always have to make a plan ahead of time to decide when the next time that's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to have that confrontation. And, and, but you've got to make a plan to be ready for it. And your flesh has its own agenda about things. And you have to put on the joy. And even though you're not feeling it, because you're not, you're not going to feel it. Feelings are huge. Feelings we have, I say that we have erected a God of feelings in this country. And our feelings kind of rule things. Well, I'm telling you, they trick you just as much as your flesh. They are your flesh. And, but feelings have their place. But you, you are in charge of your feelings. I just got to tell you that right now. You're in charge of that. Um, so if you are deciding to make kind words, you're depositing into that marriage bank. And that marriage bank is only going to grow and grow when you deposit things into it. It's going to get stronger and healthier. And that's what we want. Is that what we want? I mean, when you got married, did you say, this is what I want, a strong, healthy marriage? If you have never said those words and say them today, this is what I want, a strong, healthy marriage. Mm -hmm. So every day is, this, is an opportunity to put on Christ and crucify that flesh every single day. Be prepared. It's not going to feel right. It's not going to feel natural. And marriage, our marriages are struggling today because we haven't. And here's the excuses. Let me tell you the excuses. I've had a long day. I should be allowed to let it go. Okay? I've had a bad day. I've been struggling lately. I'm tired. I'm sorry, but we're all tired. We live in America. Okay? <laughs> I don't feel good. Work is hard right now. Work is always hard. What kind of an excuse is that? I'm, not, I'm in a difficult season. I've got issues that I'm dealing with. In this day and age, we all have issues we're dealing with, okay? <laughs> and I just need to let my hair down for a bit and do my own thing. Those are the things that your flesh is telling you and want to use an excuse. So I'm just going to clarify those in front of you so that you'll know them the next time it happens. You will recognize it and you will say the big words, no. Okay, that you learn when you were a year old. No. Okay. All right. There you and th go. And that's that's the word we're supposed to use with the flesh. No. Yes. You know that's it. Because let me just say this: you can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says it's okay for your flesh to just let it have its way once in a while. We all have those tired days, bad days, seasons. You don't know what's going on. Blah blah blah. And so, but there's nowhere in the Bible where it says okay, you get a free pass once in a while. You get the 
Flesh can do whatever it wants to, can say whatever it wants to. Just let it rip and leave just a trail of dead bodies behind you. It's okay. Just act however you feel. You know, I'm mad, I'm depressed, and just whatever. It's, let, me, let me just tell you, it's nowhere in the Bible. It's not there. We are, let me just, I mean, we really got to get this. We are never given a free pass on the flesh, flesh nature to have its own way, ever. So husbands and wives, and, and let me just, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to kick into what I want to just call a dad mode. We have got to grow up in this. We've got to grow up in this series. It's very sobering. And this is, here's why we're talking about this so far, but now I I want you to really get this because it's very sobering just to take a minute. And and I want you to think about what does a marriage look like when two people have just constantly yielded to the flesh for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years. Let me just say this, their marriage is bankrupt. And so, and there's just too many moments. And this is where the pastor in me and now of 38 years, I get, I'm just going to be honest with you. As I, as I was, I woke up at 3.15, not last night, but the night before. And these words that I'm going to say just came out of me, but with this holy anger. Because I'm just, it's just so hard to have these conversations with couples time and time again when they're broken and their marriage is bankrupt and they don't know what else to do. And their whole, you know, and so we have moments like this where we don't say the things that we need to say. You know, you're, some of you are here hoping for some cute, engaging anecdotes and some helpful resources that might help get you there. And so sometimes that's what we're looking for, you know, where you want pastor to just kind of give you a list of books. And again, the books are great. I'm not minimizing the books. You don't need a list of books and you don't need an er- another marriage retreat to go to, my friends. We don't need that. Especially because the truth is we've been yielding to our flesh for too long. And that's what's disintegrated the fabric of your marriage. That's why your marriage is bankrupt for 10, 15, 20 years. You have just done whatever your flesh has wanted to do. And it doesn't matter. And there's not a stack of books big enough that's going to fix that. And I need to tell you that lovingly. There's not a seminar you can go to that's going to show you the way. This is where the hard work of marriage is. It has to happen in you. Stop yielding to the flesh. That's where it has to happen. I would love to give you some great things, but I'm just going to tell you, we're yielding to the flesh too much. We live in a country that agonizes and glorifies the flesh and gives you a thousand reasons. To, you know, every, really, that's the essence of every advertisement you see is to tell your flesh what you, it thinks you need. And we have been duped by it to the point that now we just do whatever we want to in our marriage. And it's just that. And so, you know, that's not how. And so let me just say it this way. I cannot. And I'm hoping you really are catching the heart of the father here. There is sometimes where the heart of the father, you know, he roars a little bit. And you need to know that he hates those enemies that are destroying you. He hates those things that are destroying your marriage. And I, in all conscience. As your pastor, I cannot sit here before you and offer your marriage one ounce of hope if you and your spouse are not finding a place that you go into every single day into a secret place before the Father. And you lay yourself down before him and you yield yourself to his authority and you say, Master, I need you. I need you. I need your strength. 
I need your peace. I need your wisdom. I need it all. Because, you know, and it's only that that gives you the power to come out of the secret place and to truly walk in the spirit and not yield to the flesh and to crucify that thing. You don't have any power outside of that secret place. And let me just say, if we, outside of that, outside of you as a couple having that secret place, I cannot in clear conscience say, I give you hope in your marriage. And I mean that sincerely. And, and I, want for us, I, I want for us to get to that place that we, no longer, that, that, we, that we recognize the power of this. It's just so important for us to say, God, show us how to be people of the Spirit. Show us when we're just constantly yielding to the flesh. And how do we move from that? It looks really hard. It does. And our culture tells us daily that we have to stick up for ourselves, that we got to fight for yourself. It's the secular mindset we have in our country that's crept into our country and our churches. And, and that we have to, um, it comes against us too. Outside of our flesh, we have that going against us. So, but God says to lay ourselves down. His way is to lay ourselves down not to build ourselves up and make ourselves be this um, person that we are always striving to please. But our God says to lay ourselves down and think of others better than ourselves. That goes against every bit of culture that we have in our world. Goes against it totally. And, um, but we have to start somewhere. And I think the starting place is we have to believe and we have to know just like you turn on the light switch, you know the lights are coming on. You have to know that you have an extremely powerful God who loves and enjoys and is very professional at taking dead things and raising them up and giving them life. You have to know that with everything, every fiber of your being, you need to know that. When you're in a relationship, you need to know that it's, it's time for, um, for him to give us life and to raise up and give us life. And it's time in our marriages that it's, we have to die. Yeah. We have to die to some things. We, our flesh has to die. You didn't know we were going to talk about death today. Yeah. We're talking about death. Surprise! And so, <laughs> so <laughs> But when we die, then we give God a chance to resurrect something so beautiful. And we give him that opportunity. I have experienced this. Am I perfect? No. Is he perfect? No. But we are, we, when we die, <laughs> absolutely not. No. When we, <laughs> but when we die and we let those fleshly things die, I always do it too. Like we go to brain, we go to those brain classes at school and stuff. And I'm like, okay, we got to build a new neuron here. Build some new neurons, you know, and cut down the ones that are before. And, um, but this is, this is way, the whole thing about our marriage relationship, and you may think that your marriage relationship is about the two of you. It's way bigger than that. Your marriage relationship is way bigger than that. First of all, God's the one who instituted marriage, Right? Right? Am I right? He instituted the idea of marriage. So he had a plan. Obviously, he had a plan. And so he knew that we, he needed two people to come together to make a powerful force. 
okay? So he made that plan. So our marriage is not about us. It's about some plan that God has in, in his kingdom to move forward the kingdom. So we're part of a huge cause that God made and a plan and a cause. And we're part of that. So this is bigger than us. So when you start to give into the flesh, you got to remember that there's a bigger cause here going on. Okay. And the other cause, there's two. The other big reason that it's way bigger than us is because, and I'll always beat this drum, you've got little ones watching you. You got little ones that need to know how to deal with conflict. And they're watching you. And you're going, you're raising them up to be, to have a marriage partner later on. And you're raising them up to be in this huge realm of kingdom work that needs to be done. The plan that God instituted, you're raising them up for this. And they're watching you. You don't think they're watching you? They're watching you. I'm just going to say, stop yourself. When you get into a conflict and you see little guy watching you, little girl watching you, or you know that they're even close in a room nearby, stop yourself. Take a time out. Take a time out. Give yourself a time out. And you have to come back to this, but give yourself a time out. Stop. Because they're watching you. I am a kindergarten teacher, and I teach children social skills. And I have them out on the playground, and I watch them. And I'm literally telling you, they're starving for someone to teach them how to resolve their conflicts. That's what I do the whole time I'm out there, teaching them to resolve conflicts. Because they have to have this. So I'm saying to you, parents, teach your children how to resolve conflicts. Let them see you. I can, I can tell my kids all day long how to do it. I can talk to them. We can lecture them. But guess where they're going to learn it? From watching us. That's how they're going to learn it. And they're going to see that we are how we do conflict, how we speak to each other. Well, apparently, Pastor Jeff says we're experts, so. Oh, <laughs> he said that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so it is a hard thing to do. But honestly, when you are spending that time, just like Jim said, when you're spending that time with the Father and laying yourself down, the Holy Spirit knows who we are. He's a gentle person of the Godhead, and he helps us through this. He's so gentle and he's so kind to help us through these times, mm -hmm. and he will, he will stop us. He will help us. He will tell you in your heart when to stop yourself. Mm-hmm. He will, if you've already told him, I want it, I want this. I mean, you may, be, you may be sitting in your seat thinking right now, I don't want to have another fight again. I don't want to fight with my spouse again. I just want to talk. And so the Holy Spirit will help you give that over to him. Let him help you. It, is, it may look hard, but it's really easy when you've got the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you that right now. But conflict is always going to be there. And it can kill a marriage if you let it. And we can be ready for it. We have biblical understanding. We have tons of scriptures that help us with this. 
and from the most important book in the whole entire universe. And we have our Holy Spirit that helps us through this. It is easier than you think. Just lay it down. Get to that point where you lay it down. All right, there's hope for every marriage. I don't care where you're at. The beginning stages of marriage or the end, and you can't take it anymore, there's hope. Your relationship is never at the mercy of disagreements or uh, conflict. That's not where it's at. It's not at the mercy of those. And, and, I, and um, all of this, honestly, should encourage you because it can happen. It's at a, it can, I've seen the worst of marriages change because they lay down their flesh and they just lay it down. It's, it's encouraging that your marriage can change, that you can, that you can be in, he has given you everything you need to do this. Just lay it down. And, yep, Bible says, Galatians, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And those who are Christ have crucified flesh, which is passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So walk in the spirit. I just, be, I just began telling God when I'm struggling with something, I just tell him in my private time with him, I just got to walk with you. I just got to get closer. I just got to get closer to you, God. I got to get closer to you. All of you guys, I have to commend you today because all of you guys actually came out today to hear more about your marriage. That tells me something, that you took a step and you want this. God sees that. You indicated to God that you want something more. And so I have to applaud you. I have to tell you that I am so proud of you for doing this, for coming every week to hear about your marriage. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you, and God is looking at you, and he's pleased. He's pleased with your decisions. He's pleased with you. He loves you. So walk in his spirit. When you do that, you, destroy, you, you are crucifying the flesh and its passions. It's so easy. Just walk in the spirit. Tell him, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And he will equip you in every way. Conflicts will happen. Fights don't have to, though. It's all about your choices. So so if the Holy Spirit's telling us that, then that means he's going to equip us in that. So there's just have hope in that. If you feel like, oh, my word, I've made a thousand mistakes and bad choices i have yielded to the flesh again and again just understand that um if he's called you to this and he said these things in his word then he's going to come right in there and one he's going to bring healing and forgiveness and then all number two he's going to show you the way out so hopefully hopefully you're getting this so we're going to kind of move to the next stop we can't i just want you to understand our heart we can't just move on if we don't really see this thing called the flesh and its impact on your marriage. It's, and honestly, of all, of, all the, of all the things that I wish I could, you know, when people come in, I said that, when people come into my office over the years, I wish I could, I, and, I, and I know that what they're thinking is how, how can we get us back on track? And I'm just, and all I'm thinking is, man, there's, there's a history of, you know, of a lot of things here. And the fabric of your marriage has been destroyed and how you don't just rebuild that in, in a day. So we're going to kind of shift to our next thought here. Um, I should, I should have put my notices on my computer on, on silent because my kids are popping up and reminding me of all of our arguments. I'm getting awesome little texts and emojis saying, oh, yeah. And other people on the front row here who I won't name their names either. <laughs> 
So, you know, how did we get here, number one, but where are we going? And so I'm just going to kind of come back in under a little bit of what Robin was saying. And, and because we kind of do have to lift our heads up out of the trenches and know that, yeah, there is the troubles in the flesh. There is the, the, the flesh that just really wants to wreak havoc on our marriage. And so we talked about that a little bit. And, but let me just say, let's not lose sight of the bigger picture like what you're talking about, Robin. Because it's just so easy to get fixated on the here and now, the tyranny of the urgent. And that we just need to say, okay, but God, what are you up to? There is an eternal purpose why God brought you and your spouse together. And it's just awesome. There's so much more to this thing, and I, I hope you know this. There's so much more than just going to college, getting a job, you know, raising kids, buying a couple cars, a house, and saving for retirement. There's so much more to that. There's, yeah, and yeah. if you want to ask, if you want to find out what it is, ask him. He's not hiding his purpose from you. No. He's not hiding his kingdom from you. Ask him. Ask yeah. him to reveal it to you, what it is. What is our purpose? In our marriage, what is that thing that we have that's so important that we are bound together yeah. like this? There's Ask an impact, mm -hmm. you know, when God has brought us, you and I together, any couple, you know, it impacts their marriage, it impacts their church, it impacts their community, yeah. it impacts the world. And really, that's eternity. So I, I just want you to see, you know, that there is an eternal impact behind, you know, God bringing the two of you together. Yes. So... The scripture, Ecclesiastics, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Unity is so, so important. When Jim and I first got married, we were uh, only had one premarital session. It worked. It worked. <laughs> well... 38 plus years. <laughs> Believe me, I go back to that session a lot. <laughs> it happened to be, it's from a pastor up in Michigan. Yep. Joe and, Rodriguez yes. in Saginaw, Michigan. And I'm pretty sure he's still there. Yeah. Like he's probably in his 80s. Yeah. And so he's probably still preaching and still teaching and still discipling young pastors. And so anyway, he had a session with us about agreement. And I will never, ever forget it. Because the power of agreement is he just can't be broken. I've watched it in my kids when I've had a strong-willed kid come against us and play us. And they will. Your kids will play you. And, and I've watched it when, I've, when the Lord spoke to me and said, get in agreement with your husband. You're not walking in agreement with him. And you walk in agreement with each other. You see those kiddos just slinking away with their attitudes and with their ideas of, of what they want kind of slinks kind of run away. run the asylum. Yes. They will let you. <laughs> because we're together. Yeah. And, and so um, it's just, it's really important that agreement place. There's times when we have been in disagreement because we're opposites, totally opposites, totally, totally opposites. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> That, that we have That's had, a good thing. Yeah, that we have had disagreements about things. And I've said on, on a couple occasions, I've had to go all the way back to that session. And we have to find, not a couple of times, many times, we have had to go back and find our way through that to a place of agreement. It's like walking through a jungle, I'm telling you, because there's lots of things that get in the way and lots of your own ideas that you think is right. And, and, you know, and if you want, you know, you have to be in agreement. You can't, the Bible says that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. 
And so we have to come with a bulldog tenacity saying that we will stand. Yeah. And we have to both be in agreement with that. And there's a couple of things that we said that we would do as we made a pact with each other that we would not have, um, we would not have words that were strifeful words to each other. Um, that we would try to talk civilly always to each other. We didn't want yelling and screaming in our household. We said that when we were first married. We just made that pact with each other. We didn't know anything. We were young. We didn't have a lot of the teaching. But we just knew that we grew in what we grew up in, what he grew up in, he did not want that. His mom and dad were divorced and married, what, six times by the time we got married? I, I don't know. There's discrepancy among yeah, the kids on there's, that. There's a disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so you can understand what he went through with alcoholic in his home and all that. So he, we did not want that. We didn't want screaming and yelling. So we just made a pact about that. Have we been perfect? No. But we had that agreement place. And so we would climb our way back to it at any chance we could get to find a place of agreement. Whether I was right or he was right, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I'm always right. <laughs> I think you should say that again. It's just, it's hard for those words to come out. It's whether he was right. So I think, I feel, I'm just gonna pause and, and uh, just give a, a, a little example because it keeps flashing up on my screen here. <laughs> but I mean, we do have our moments. So we, we, we have a house that has a basement and um, we have an area down under in, in the basement where we've just, it's a great play place for our kids, but somehow, the, the, and I, I won't get into it, but somehow the toilet upstairs got flushed multiple times and, and rained down on all this stuff downstairs. And so we had to go downstairs and take care of stuff and bleach every last little thing that that water came in contact with. And Robin decided to tell me how to bleach stuff. And, and, I, and I think there might have been something like, I know how to bleach stuff, Robin. There might have been something. You know, so he didn't say it like that. I, I, I might have said it different. <laughs> So yeah, we've had our moments where you're like, woo! And yeah, so, and again, our kids want to remind us of those beautiful moments. They're upstairs listening. <laughs> yeah, they were upstairs and they're like, we're not going. Well, actually, some of them fled the house. The others that had compassion came down and helped us. <laughs> like, we don't want any part of that. So, but so back to agreement, you know, you may have heard the scripture, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says, it says, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put... 10,000 of flight. And, and this, is, this is a scripture that's kind of, it's, it's, a army, it's a, an army term where it's a call to stand together. And so, you know, there's, there's, there, there is in us, not just in husbands, in the body of Christ, but among husbands and wives where God has called you together to stand together to do war against the kingdom of, uh, of darkness and to take your place as soldiers in the body of Christ. And so there is this big unto picture of your marriage. It's more than just having kids and having a job and retiring and everything else. There is, there's an impact of the two of you coming together that can do something that, of ten, that, you know, that, that cannot be done any other way. And so the Lord calls us to stand together in agreement because there's something he needs us to do. And it's so easy. I know it's easy to go solo, to do things on your, on your own. 
Um, but let me just ask you this. Are you and your spouse pulling together in the same direction for the kingdom of God? That's very important because that's why he's brought you together. It's, not, it's for this unto the kingdom thing. And so he, he wants you to be together. It's more than just a dual income and a bed and breakfast for your kids. It's, it's this place where you are doing the work of the kingdom. Uh, and so he, but he needs you pulling together. He needs you side by side because the two of you can do things that you can't do by yourself, right? Yes. Mark 3 says, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. So that's why we made that decision in our marriage to, to not have strife and division in our home. So that was a decision we made and we go back to it. It's our agreement stance. And so you can be more effective together in this kingdom than apart in a truly healthy relationship. This is what Francis Chan says. In a truly healthy relationship, we enable each other to accomplish more than we could have done alone. So that was his plan. That was his plan to accomplish more. So, um, so yeah. Yes. So the Lord's brought us together. And, yes. and that, that's, it's humbling. Rob and I can tell you it's humbling over the years. You know, we, we served as youth pastors for 25 years. And it, it's just really, really humbling when we hear kids come back and tell us what a difference we made in their life. It just, it rattles you sometimes because you just realize, man. That couldn't happen unless we were together, you know, and how the Lord has used us together to do the work of the kingdom. It's a beautiful, be I think of all the things that we cherish the most, it's those kinds of things too. You know, we really love that. Um, so, you know, knowing all this stuff that we talked about, you know, it, it, we just, again, we didn't want to just, yeah, 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 you know, say no to the flesh and understand this power of agreement and your place, you know, the, the, it's just so easy to skip right past that. But that, those kinds of things helps you to see the bigger picture. And so what we're going to do now, though, we are going to kind of change directions. We're going to go through this fast. We're going to see if we can do this. If we can do this, this is an act of God of how amazing our marriage is together, Robin. <laughs> what we're going to do, um, we want to go, because, you know, I, I am kind of, one of my favorite movies is uh, Hunt for Red October, and I like it because it just talks about that Cold War era when the United States and, the, and Russia had decided that, you know what, we both have the, the ability to nuke each other, so let's just play nice, and let's just stand down. And, and the truth is, you and your marriage, you both have the power to nuke each other like nobody else. And... You're, it's that vulnerability of a marriage and you're like, you, you're just in this vulnerable relationship and so you have to say, we have to have some rules of engagement here so that we don't hurt each other. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go through 10 rules of engagement. How to fight fair. Whoa, sorry. I spit on you. So here we go. So number one, keep the main thing the main thing. Right? Uh, you know, uh, one of the fighting fair is deal with one issue at a time. <laughs> one thing. So fighting dirty is when you start into something and you go, yeah, you know what, but you always, and you're just like your mom. Oh, see that? No, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I love my mom. <laughs> you love your, I know, I just, I, I'm just kidding. But stick to it. You know, if, if that's what you're talking about, talk about that. Don't go sideways and start talking about the budget and last year's whatever. Stick to that. Keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And I can honestly say these rules... Uh, apply to everyone who's in a relationship with anyone. So uh, friendships, brothers and sisters, hello, and <laughs> and things like that. People in the church, hello. That's big, big. These all uh, help. Yeah, they apply for a lot of things. Yes. Right? So um, 
Don't bring up the past when you're in the middle of a conflict. Do not bring up the past. We're not talking about what we just, what happened last time. We're talking about this issue right at this moment. It's impossible to change what's already been done. So bringing up the past is fighting dirty. And so you'll bring up the real issue to a dead standstill by bringing up the past, okay? There'll be no resolution. You're not going to go any further when you do that. Forget the past. Focus on moving forward. Philippians 3.13. 1 Corinthians 13. True love keeps no record of wrongs. I think of that a lot because we really do want to keep that record, don't we? Um, The devil brings up the past and throws condemnation to our face. Don't be him or be used by him. Right. We don't need to condemn each other. We don't need that. Number three, don't attack, never attack personality or character. Because, you know, the, when, you, when that happens, you are reducing yourself to attacking someone. You, what you're doing is, is, is you're recognizing you have nothing left but to personally attack somebody. I mean, and let's just say, and we know the world is really good at this. Politicians are great at this. Ephesians says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. So that, you know, uh, by bringing and doing that with your, with your spouse is a great way to make an enemy for life. We don't need that. And what we really need is a five to one ratio of positive things compared to those. So, you know, don't attack people's character. I'm cruising. Here we go. Yeah. Never let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay. This is a funny one. Phyllis Diller. Anybody remember her? Only the older people. (laughs) She's super old. Okay, so why (laughs) she says... Wow, old people, you just got dissed. (laughs) Woo! We're equal opportunity offenders up here. I remember her, so I'm right there with you. I'm not ashamed to be in my age. All right, so why, she says, why go to bed mad when you could stay up all night and fight? So... (laughs) She was a feisty lady. All right, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And don't let sin, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I have to tell you, this is one of my weaker spots because I, I will just uh, bury it or not. I will walk away before I confront. So... Um, that is a harder thing for me that I deal with. God's way of saying is deal with the stuff before it gets out of control. Okay? So deal with things before they get out of control. Go ahead and talk about it. And time heals all wounds does not apply in marriage or to any believer. Okay? You don't have to have a complete resolution, but before you go to sleep at night, make sure things are right between the two of you. So that's just a really good rule to have. This one's real simple. Just avoid generalizations. You never, you always, you never, you always. I mean, there you go. That's all you need to know. Avoid those kinds of things because that just doesn't work. Oh, really? Because then what happens? Really? When do I always do that? When did I never do that? And then you get, you get sideways, right? Mm-hmm. Stay to what's going on, right? So stick to I language instead of you language. You know, if this is, this puts somebody on the defensive. Stick to the I statements. Number six. Okay. If your spouse says you do, then it's true. 
Our first response is always no. Always. <laughs> Our first response is always defensive in nature. And especially for those who have competitive natures and we like to be winning. There is a thing out now that says winning is choosing to lose, okay, in marriages. It's a thing. So uh, think about choosing to lose, laying your life self down for someone else. You can, uh, it's choosing to lose. It looks like the world's looking at it like you're losing, but, and it's exactly how they looked at Jesus on that cross. That's exactly how they looked at him. Oh, he's lost. He's done. He's done. But uh uh-uh, he was winning. Mm-hmm. He was winning by putting himself and subjecting himself to that. When your spouse says you're doing something irritating, you probably are. Stop and think about it, <laughs> okay? You probably are doing that. Perception is reality. Whether it's actually fact or not, it's true. Ask why and try to find their point of view. Find out where they're getting this from, how they're seeing this. You know, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Don't involve others in the conflict. Oi. Yeah. Uh, parents, you know, um, yeah, I'll just, let me just say this. You know, any parents in the room, if you have married kids and stuff, can I just say uh, kindly, butt out. Just <laughs> steer your kids to other places for their marital problems. And, but, you know, um, we have to respect our kids, especially if they're married, you know, and, and those kinds of things. But don't, don't go, I, I just encourage you not to go to your parents, not to go to other people. Unless, let me just say, there are going to be times you may get stuck, but you as a couple need to choose somebody else that is that is full of wisdom and has that you have decided that if we get to a place that we're stuck that we're, we can lovingly and without judgment call them we're just going to sit down with coffee and say what what would you think about this but then but outside of that don't talk to people about your stuff okay i'm gonna connect that go ahead uh, never never argue yep nope never argue um, in front of your children. I've already talked about that. Whoops, we've done that. So they have an innate need for security. And when I was a little girl and my parents argued, I was freaking out. Okay? So don't do it in front of your kids. That security drops and their behaviors will rise. Okay? You don't want behaviors like that. Okay? So keep security in your kids. Don't argue in front of your kids. Um, they have a fr- they're fragile protect them and um, be an example, a godly example of unconditional love to them and what it looks like and what the Heavenly Father meant this to be. Give them a picture, a really good picture of the Father in your marriage relationship and your grandkids too. <laughs> this is real simple. I, we could speak all day, but number nine is just be honest. 70% of married people lie to their spouses. So lying, it just makes things worse. And be sure your sins will find you out. Okay, enough said. Last point. Forgive quickly. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, harsh anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender heart, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'm going through this fast. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dressed in wardrobe, picked out that God picked out for you. This scripture, Colossians 3, 12 to 14, should be hanging in your closet. When you're getting dressed, when you're getting dressed, God picked out some clothes for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, and discipline. 
even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive offense, quick forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Amen. So stand with us. I'm just going to ask you to take a second and close your eyes and quiet yourself and just do just clothe yourself with humility for a moment. I'm just going to ask you to let down all of your guards and all of your barriers and all of your whatevers and just clothe yourself with humility. And just let God's humility just gar- just kind of direct your heart right now. And so I'm just going to ask you, there's going to just be a couple things that we're going to encourage you to do and lead you in in just a moment. And one is just that, one, James talks about, you know, confessing. One of the, one, there's just something beautiful about you this morning, hearing all of this and gently and lovingly with a, with a heart of humility, confess to your spouse something that you heard this morning that the Holy Spirit just convicted your heart about might be it's like wow I, I really didn't realize I've made this thing about me I've, I've got a lot of flesh that I'm just letting myself do whatever I want maybe I maybe it's just that you've lost sight of eternity you've lost sight of the big picture of how God has brought you together and you're just going through the motions I don't know the Holy Spirit knows what he has spoken to you but he needs us to respond and so but I, I'm going to ask you to respond humbly and so one of the things I want you to do is is we're, we're going to sing the song. It's just a simple song. It just says, Jesus, be the center of my life. And it's just so easy in any relationship, but especially in your marriage, just, just, to, just to get off from the center. We get off sideways. We just get out here and we forget to make Jesus the center. And so when we say that, here's what we're saying. Not put, add Jesus into your marriage. Add him to the top of your priority. I, I'm, we're talking about Jesus be the very center of our relationship. So we're gonna we're gonna just take a minute here. The worship team's gonna sing and they're just gonna lead us in this thought of Jesus be the center. And there's two things they're gonna ask you to do. One is just Lord, center me. What's what am I doing here in this relationship where maybe I've done something and you really aren't the center of my relationship with you? I mean, I haven't really made you the center of my life. So center your life with Jesus, and then I think it would be great as husbands and wives just to grab each other's hands and say, listen, we may have gotten off center here. We've gotten gotten away from some of these simple truths, and our marriage really isn't centered around Jesus. We've just kind of our roommates. We need Jesus to be in the center of our home again. So I'm going to ask you to do those two things with humility as we sing this song. Just take a couple minutes and just... Jesus be the center of me and then just make a commitment to let Jesus be the center of your home again. Does that sound good? I think that's what the Lord wants us to do today. And then we'll just kind of wrap things up with a thought to kind of give you a little bit of homework, but let's just take a second and let's just kind of let the worship team sing this as background, but then you do that work of your, of your own heart. Jesus be the center of my life and Lord, we commit you to be the center of this relationship again. So let's do that together.